Well, that's a tough act to follow. I want to start with a little poll this morning. Probably the majority of us in here would say that we have a personal, life-changing faith in Jesus Christ. That we're confident because of the faith decision we've made and the promises of God that we're going to heaven. How'd you get there? Here's my question. How many of you came to have faith in Christ because you encountered a street preacher or saw a Billy Graham crusade on TV or maybe some other preacher on TV? How many of you came to Christ through one of those kind of mediums? Just raise your hands. Well, how many of you... Maybe saw a billboard that said, like, got God, or somebody gave you a track while you were walking down the street, and you just didn't, you just felt sorry for them, so you just reached out and grabbed it and took it, you know, so they wouldn't feel like, or maybe you saw, like, a John 3.16 sign during a football game behind the, the, uh, the goalposts, and you finally said, I'm going to figure out what that is, and, and you came to Christ that way. How many of you maybe got a mass mailing from a church or saw something on the internet or saw an ad in the newspaper or something along that line and said, you know what, I I think I'll go to church and just check this out and and you came to know Christ as a result of that. How many of you came to have a faith in Christ because somebody else invited you to consider becoming a Christian or they invited you to go to church? Maybe it was your parents who took you. Maybe it was a friend in high school or college, somebody you worked with. How many of you came to Christ that way through a personal invitation? Wow. Wow. I got to tell you, it, it's such a cool thing. You know, we, we've been looking at this Add One series about what it is that we need to add to our faith as a congregation in order to be the kind of church that God can use to change the world. It's always been the mission of God to change the world through his people, through the church. And we've been looking at some pretty basic things like attend one. God has always used spiritual community, spiritual friendships both in a large scale like worship and in a small scale like life groups or some other form of Bible study group. God's always used those to change people's lives and through those to change people. And as he changes people, he changes the world. And so we've encouraged people to attend one. Get in a small group Bible study. Come to worship regularly. Be a part of the spiritual family. God's always used service. His people displaying his character through the use of the gifts that he's given them. Just serve one. Find a ministry. Plug in and do it. And then this morning, the whole concept of reach one. And generation in and generation out, the most effective way to pass along the good news is one life to another. You know what's absolutely cool? All of us can do these things. How many of you are unable to be able, you just don't have the gifts to be able to go to a life group? How many of you as a believer who has a spirit, we all have a gift from God to use. All of us know people, have relationships with people that we can give our faith away to, right? These, are, these aren't for the gifted. These aren't for the guys who can transform the lyrics of songs from the 1970s into fancy things. It doesn't take that kind of giftedness. It simply takes our own basic hearts to be able to share the good news. So in this final installment, we look at these, this, this last issue of reaching one as, as being, in terms of what God needs and wants to do through us in order to be able to change the world for Christ. Now, it shouldn't be very hard for us to get motivated to give our faith away. It really shouldn't be. It should not be hard for us to get motivated to give our faith away. I mean, by the very fact that you're here, and those of you who have raised your hand and said, I I am a follower of Jesus Christ, there is a certain revelation of God that you have embraced as a part of that. And this is what that revelation, revelation communicates, that God has intervened in human history through his own son, who became one of us, even though we remain fully God, to do for us what we could not do for ourselves, which was to provide a way for us to experience salvation. Now, God's motivation for providing salvation was that he loves us. He wants to have a relationship with us. But the other side of that is that God doesn't want anybody to perish, right? 
I mean, the fact that he wants us to have a relationship with him, not only here, but for all of eternity, also means that God doesn't want anybody not to have that relationship. The Bible calls experiencing separation from God for all eternity a place called hell. Hell is not a nice place in the scriptures, right? I mean, it's it's described as a place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth and there's constant torment. It's described as a lake of fire, a place where there's great agony. It's a place where there is 100% a full and total absence of the grace and the mercy and the presence and the goodness of God. Every molecule of anything that's good is absent from hell. In fact, in the scriptures, Jesus tells a story about a rich guy who was extremely hard-hearted. And he could walk, even though he had abundance of food and he had lots more than he, he, had, he had need for, he would give his scraps to his dogs, but he would ignore those around him who were in need. And it didn't affect him one bit. He was just absolutely callous. He just didn't care. This is the kind of guy who could go to hell and take over the place. And this is kind of the language we use today, right? It was interesting. I, I had a, um, a visit, a friend of ours. Um, he had a friend of his who was a close friend of Bernie Madoff. Right? The whole Ponzi scheme, scheme thing. They vacationed together. They had dinner together regularly with their wives. And Bernie Madoff took this guy for $150 million. And he's his friend. Now, what kind of a heart do you have to have? And a guy like that, in Jesus' parable, finds himself in hell. And he's just begging, just begging Jesus to send somebody to his friends to say, tell him not to come here. This place stinks. The people that you and I know who don't have faith in Jesus Christ, that's their destiny. Shouldn't be very hard for us to get motivated, right? To share our faith with them. But for many of us, it's really a struggle. For, for whatever reasons, like the guy said, I just get the sweats. And I don't like the sweat, so I'm just not going to do this. We, we have lots of reasons why we don't share our faith. I want to I give you just a simple pathway today on how you can be transformed into the type of person who seeks to introduce other people to Jesus Christ. Just, just a very simple pathway. And I want to use as our model for today the Apostle Andrew. The Apostle Andrew is... <laughs> He's, he's an interesting apostle. He's an incredible apostle. This is a guy who is absolutely content with being second place. In fact, we, after Acts chapter 1, we never hear of the apostle Andrew again. Never again. So all the stuff that happens through the rest of the New Testament, we never hear about Andrew, even though he's Peter's brother, right? He's the one who brought Peter to Jesus. We never hear about Andrew again after, after Acts chapter 1. And in fact, the times when Andrew really kind of comes to the surface and he, and he plays a role in the Gospels, almost always he's introducing somebody else to Jesus Christ. That's what he did. Peter, Andrew was content just to sit in the background and just find delight in introducing other people to Jesus Christ. Now, in the Gospel of John, we, we see him in three different places doing that. I'm going to start with the last one and back up to the place where I want to park this morning. In John chapter 12, Jesus is already in the final days of his life, the last week, right? <clears throat> and a, after the triumphal entry, a group of dr- Greek Jews come, come to Philip and they say, we want to see Jesus. We want to meet Jesus. Philip doesn't have any idea what to do. <laughs> so he comes to, he comes to Andrew and he says, what should I do? These guys, these guys want to meet Jesus. Andrew says, well, let's take them to Jesus, you know, <laughs> and he introduces them to Jesus Christ. That's in John 12. You back up a few chapters, John 6, right? There's a huge crowd that's gathered. It's getting late in the day. Jesus turns to the disciples and says, we got to feed these guys. And, and they all say, well, we, 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 we don't have enough money in our pockets to feed these guys. How are we going to do that? What is Andrew's response? You know, it, it's almost like the 11 are standing around Jesus and they're saying, we can't do this. There's not enough food or whatever. Andrew's out meeting people, just out greeting people. And, 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 he, and, he, and he grabs this little boy who's got a small lunch and he brings him up to Jesus and he says, 
So, well, this kid's got a couple of fishes and five small loaves. He's just bringing people to Jesus. You know what happens after that? Jesus blesses the fish, blesses the bread, and he passes it out among the thousands, and there's loads left over because Andrew's introducing people to Jesus. But where I want to focus today is on John chapter 1. And if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to John chapter 1? <clears throat> if you're using one of our pew Bibles, you're going to find our text today on page 900. Just a few verses. This whole section is dealing with the with the transition from John the Baptist's ministry to the arrival of Jesus on the scene. And there's a lot of back and forth going on. And the leaders are questioning John the Baptist about who he is. And he's starting to point his way to Jesus. And, 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 and John's got these, test, these, these disciples are following after him. And so in verse, in verse 35, this is a second encounter where John has seen Jesus. And let's, let's just pick up with verse 35 and read down through verse 42. It says, again, the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and noticed them following him, he asked them, what are you looking for? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, says, where are you staying? Come, he says, and you will see. So they went and they saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day. It was about 10 in the morning. Andrew Simon Peter's brother was one of the two who heard John and followed him. He first found his own brother, Simon, and told him, We have found the Messiah, which means the anointed one. And he brought Simon to Jesus. When Jesus saw him, he said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, or Peter, which means rock. What a great story. Just a simple act of a brother enthralled with enthusiasm of having found the Messiah. He goes and he finds Peter, who is to become one of the pillars of the church that changes the world in the life of Christ. This concept of just reaching people in the name of Christ, not fancy methods, all this kind of, but literally just reaching people, connecting with people through the relationships we have, it changes the world. I read a story this week. It, it traces the line from a man in the mid-1800s by the name of Edward Kimball, just a simple shoe salesman in Boston who's teaching a Sunday school class of boys. And he reaches out to a young man, and the young man comes to know Christ and gets excited for Christ. And that person's name was Dwight L. Moody, one of the great evangelists. And from there, you can track a trail all the way down into the middle 20th century to Billy Graham, who evangelized hundreds of thousands around the world, just as one person after another sharing their faith with someone else. It's incredible what God does. Well, how do we become those kind of people? How do we go through the, the A-train, the A-tram, as I called it in here, the Andrew transformation? How do we become like Andrew? First of all, you have to look for God. You, you have to be looking for God. There is no way that any of us are going to be making any effort to add to our faith if we're not pursuing God. Andrew here has already got a relationship with John the Baptist. He's been following John, learning from him. We, we see earlier that he had been baptized by him. So he, he's, he's, got, he's got money in the bank with John the Baptist. But it, he wants to find God. He wants to be in sync with God, with what God's doing. So here he is. He's got all this investment, this capital invested with John the Baptist. And he's standing there on the, on the roadside. And John the Baptist sees Jesus going by and says, Behold the Lamb of God. And Andrew and his friend are gone in a minute. Man, they're looking for God. You know, they, they weren't looking to take next steps with God. They want to get as close to God. They want to see what God's doing. If we're not looking for God, we're never going to be spending any effort to add to our faith. You've got to be looking for God. It's the only way that it works. You've got to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You have to be looking for God as you go forward. Then, to be like Andrew, you have to look around. You just have to look around. 
What, what was the scripture that was read for us just a few minutes? It says, look up and, and, and just look out. The, the fields are white under harvest. You know, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. All you got to do is just look around and see who's a part of your world. Your Jerusalem is the people you know. You know, Jesus said, you know, you will be my witnesses in both in Jerusalem and Judea. Your Jerusalem is the people you know. They're the people who work, you work with. You're, they're the, the people in your family. They're the people who are in your neighborhood. The people who are part of your book club. The people who are, you know, a part of your golf league. These are the people that you know. Your colleagues at work. That's your Jerusalem. Just look around and see the people who need a relationship with God. Your Judea are those you kind of come across from time to time. You know, maybe it's the guy who works on your car, cuts your hair. Maybe it's the people that you've hired to cut your lawn for you or plow your driveway. Maybe it's the, the paper boy who delivers your paper. But those are the people who, they're in your orbit, but you wouldn't really call them your friends, but they're people that you know, they're people you interact with. That's your, that's your, your Judea. Just look around. Just look around and make a note in heart and head, this person needs to know the Lord. This person is not going to experience eternal life. They're going to experience, they're going to perish. And make a note. You just have to look around. That's the first step becoming an Andrew. I, I, I was amazed as I was preparing this message again this week. I, I, I was just astonished on how easy it is for me to interact with people and never think about their spiritual condition. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Can you relate? You know, it's, 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 you know we, we went on vacation at the end of the summer and we went to Florida and we rented a car. We got this letter in the, in the mail already, you know. They said, you know, we brought the car back and we stopped four miles from the airport and filled it up. But they sent us a letter saying it took 4.77 gallons and they want to charge us $45 for filling up the car. You know, and I'm thinking to myself, this is how I'm going to lay into this customer service person. I'm thinking, you know, and I'm thinking, this morning as I'm working on this message, I'm thinking, that person's got spiritual needs as well. You know, I should have thought of that after I had the phone call, but you know how that goes, you know. And, and, but we, we just can live our lives with, with, with no awareness at all of the spiritual condition of people around us. We're just going to look around. I'll give you an example in our body, how this works. Roger and Tracy Heal sit right here. Had a guy over to their house to clean their carpets. They get in a conversation with him. They invite him to church. A person who had been to our church before in the past, but had stopped coming. Now he's a part of my life group on Monday nights. Just by looking around, being alert, seeing what God's doing, and seeing who has spiritual needs out there. It's not all that hard. All of us can do it. Now, in addition to looking around, you've got to look up. Because there's this changing a heart, bringing it from a place of unbelief to a belief, that, that's a God thing. It's the gift of God. We just have to be praying. You know, once God's laid some people on your heart, maybe it's the person who lives in the apartment down below you. Or maybe it's, you know, the neighbor next door. Or maybe it's that sibling who just has never given their life to Christ or whatever. And you just have a fresh burden to be praying for them. You, you, once God's laid them on your heart, you just really have to pray. You've got to look up to God and you've got to be in prayer for them. You know, this kind of transformation, these, these kinds of things, it only happens as God answers prayer. God made man's heart. He knows man's heart. He searches man's heart. And with it, he's the one who changes the heart of men and women. And we just have to pray and ask God to do that. And so we've got to be look up. And, and, and one of the things about it, as we pray about it, it's also going to continue to stir our hearts, keep us alive and afresh, saying, Boy, I'm looking for that moment when God says, this is the time. That Holy Spirit-created moment where you get a chance to share your faith. It, it just keeps you alive. I'll give you another example from our church how this works. This is all right. Bob and Gail St. Jean sitting back here. Gail prayed for Bob for over 25 years to come to know Christ. Now, Bob's one of the biggest pain in the necks in my life group. No, I'm only kidding. It's great to have it in our life group. How many times have you read the Bible now, Bob, six, seven times? He's just going to, now he's reading. The, God just answers prayer. You're just going to keep praying. You're going to look up. So if you want to be like Andrew, look for God, 
Look around. Look up. Then you've got to look out. And what I mean by that is you've got to look out for opportunities that God gives you to build relationship with these people. Find a way to spend some time with them. You know, it's really hard to share your faith with somebody else. It's really hard to invite them to attend some kind of a spiritual opportunity. If you never see them and never talk to them, you know, you've got to spend some time with them, right? So find a way to connect with them. Have a cup of coffee. Go to lunch. Have them over for dinner. Go golfing with them. Help them paint their house. Do something. You know, but find a way to connect with them. You're just going to look out for those opportunities to build relationship. And also in the midst of that, you've got to look out for opportunities to share your faith with them. It's amazing that when you're looking for opportunities for spiritual conversation, because you're looking around and you're looking up, it's amazing. And then you start looking for, God will provide you the opportunities to turn the conversation spiritually. Sometimes it's just as simple as when you're having lunch together, you say, hey, you know, would it bother you if I just, if I just had a prayer of blessing over our meal before we ate? Or maybe you're going to hear something's going on in their lives. Maybe one of their kids is sick or whatever. He said, would you, would you mind if I, if I prayed for your child? Or would you mind if I prayed for your parent who's having surgery or whatever? There's lots of ways to have those opportunities. But you're going to be looking out for those. You know, you're going to be looking out for those. That's, that's what it takes. Lastly, you've got to look forward. You've you, you got to look forward in the sense of looking forward to an opportunity to invite them to some kind of a spiritual event where they can hear the good news. Maybe it's, you know, you're looking forward to an opportunity where you're really seeking to, to plan to share your faith with them. Or it could be that you're looking to invite them to come to a worship service or some kind of a special event we're doing or take them to the Courageous movie that's coming up to call a guy and say, hey, listen, let's go see this together. You know, I'll, I'll pick you up after work. We'll catch the early the, uh, you know, evening show of this or whatever, and then we'll go have dinner together. And you're just, just looking forward to, some, to an opportunity to invite them to something where you can start a spiritual conversation. Now, I want to tell you, that's, if you'll follow those steps, you can become like Andrew. You don't have to wear gospel gloves on your hands and have all kinds of wristbands with all the outlines, and etc. And, and I'm not mocking any of those things because they really can have great power. You know, when we were in Romania on mission a, a few years back, the soccer balls that they used were the colors of the, of the gospel bracelets. You know, the red and the green and the black. And, 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 it, and it was a great tool to be able to share across cultures with these because they were so into soccer, these gypsy kids were. It was, it, I'm not making fun of those things, but I got to tell you, it's, it's really comes down to life on life. And every single one of us, just like we're capable of attending a Bible study group and having our lives changed by the Word of God, just like we have the ability to serve with the gift that God's given us, every single one of us can reach those that we know with what we have in our hearts. I'm, I'm asking you to make three commitments this morning. Three commitments. <clears throat> one, I would like you to join in a concert of prayer. We, we know we have the prayer guides this week for the last week of Ad 1. You know, many of you, your anticipation of breaking the Daniel fast is growing as we get closer to this last week, I know. But we still have one week of prayer to go, you know, and, um, and, and use the prayer guide. But I'm really asking you to join together for a sustained commitment to pray for this goal. That is a ministry, as the extended ministries of Hope Chapel, that God would grant us the privilege between now, for our church year, which we've already started back in July, but through the end of June of next year, that we would have the pleasure and the privilege of leading 52 people, one person a week, to having faith in Jesus Christ. Now, that may sound pretty insurmountable, but let me give you a few numbers. Uh, you know, I did a little math, okay? I don't, and we have, we have a little over 200 members, but because I wanted to keep it easy, easy even, I just, I just used the number 200, okay? We actually have more like 400 people who are in the orbit of the life of the church who come, you know, at least once or twice a month to worship. But just, just say we, we use 200 people, the, the, the core membership of the church, if you will. 
If every single person just invites or, or seeks to give their faith away once a month, that's 2,400 opportunities in a year. 2,400. To have 52 people come to know Christ as a result of those 2,400 contacts, that's only a 2.1% response rate. So we can fail over 97% of the time and still make this goal. And, and i got to tell you, there's a part of me that I'm... I, I, I have mixed emotions about this. One is I think we're putting a goal out there, and if we fail, it, it, it might be discouraging. So I have that side of it. The other side of me thinks this goal's not big enough. I mean, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, the Jew first and also to the Greek. I mean, it is, it is life-changing stuff from God. And, and if we're sharing it anywhere close to 2,400 times, how can only 52 people come to know Christ? Maybe it should be 152 people. But as of right now, I'm just asking you to make the commitment to pray. That we as a church would have a privilege of leading 52 different people to faith in Christ in the course of a year. Secondly, I'm challenging all of us to learn just how to share the gospel. Many of you, you're thinking here and said, you know, I might be able to invite them to church, but if the conversation ever turns, it's like, well, what does it mean to be a Christian? You, you don't know what you would say. And, and I'm just challenging all of us to make the commitment to learn how to share the gospel. Some of you may want to do this on your own. There's tremendous resources out there you can buy on the internet and, and they've been written down in books and all those kinds of, there's great things out there. One of the first steps we're going to take towards that is that the, the upcoming first Friday on October the 7th, we're going to lay out a gospel outline. What do you need to communicate to be able to, to share the good news of Jesus Christ with somebody else? What are the pillars of that message? And we're going to share with you a, like a gospel presentation that you can use as a starting point in giving your faith away. But I'm just asking you to commit to learn how to share the gospel. Last, I'm challenging you today specifically to identify one or two or three people in your life that you're going to pray for during the month of October. And you're going to invite them to a Bring a Friend Sunday that we're going to have at the end of October on October the 30th. We're going to start a series next week entitled Living with the End in Mind. And we're going to be, we're going to be starting to look at what, is it, what does it really mean to live successfully in the eyes of God? And we're going to look at that somewhat from the theological, from the theoretical, from the, in other words, from the character kind of sides of, of who we are as people. We're also going to look at it very practically. What does it mean to be successful in our careers? What does it mean to be successful with how we handle money? How, how's it, how, and, and what we're going to look at on the 30th, on the bringer, what, does it, what, does it, what does it mean to be successful in relationships in the eyes of God? I mean, you're going to be bringing a friend? We're going to talk about friendships. And what does it really mean to be faithful, to be successful in relationships in the eyes of God? And, and I'm just challenging you to commit right now to begin to, find, to pray about and seek an opportunity between now and October 30th to invite this person to come. Now, I promise you, we will not embarrass you. We're not going to turn into white-shoed, loud-mouthed evangelists and we're going to have a, a 30-minute altar call. And all, we're not going to do any of that kind of stuff. It's going to be a typical Sunday, but we're just going to create an opportunity for people to bring friends. And, and tell you the truth, it's, it's what we should be doing all the time. So we come to the end of Ad 1, but in many ways, we just come to the beginning. You know, if, if we want to be the church that I think we want to be, the kind of church that, that impacts our region, our Jerusalem and Judea, we, we've got to take our passion for God, and we've just got to add to it a commitment to spiritual community, to being in worship and being in a life group or some other ongoing Bible study where people are feeding into our lives and we're feeding into theirs. We need to attend one. We've got to serve one. Even it may, may be hard for you to find the right place in your schedule. You've got to find a ministry to plug into and serve. You've got to bring your, your gifts to bear in service. And lastly, we just have to give our faith away. We're just going to invite people like Andrew to come see Jesus. They, just come meet Jesus by looking around, by looking for God, looking around, looking up, looking out, and looking forward. Let's be like Andrew and see what God does. Let's pray together. God, I don't know if there's any greater thrill in our lives than having the knowledge that you personally used us to introduce somebody to Jesus Christ. 
Even if it's just that you used our relationship with them to invite them to come to some kind of a Bible study group or to a worship service or some special event that's been put together to present the opportunity of Jesus Christ. There's no greater thrill than being used of you. God, thank you that you've equipped every single one of us who has a relationship with you to be able to do just that. Give us a heart for you. Give us a heart for people. Give us a heart for your kingdom. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.